This is the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast. It will be covering a walk from the geographic centre of Australia to the centre of the nation's capital in Canberra to raise awareness of the mental health issues faced by our first responders. We ask a lot of the people in our police, emergency services and all frontline workers. That takes a big toll on them and their families, which is why this walk is happening. These are just everyday people that have to do extraordinary things. These people are just like my dad. Well, welcome to this podcast that we're doing at our first first responder engagement day here in Udnadatta. And I'm joined by Matt Corner, the Lieutenant. No, Captain there. Yeah. Captain. Captain <laughs> of the Cuba PD CFS. G'day, Matt. G'day, Matt. Thanks very much for coming on and uh, taking the time out of our engagement day. It's pretty cool to have a chat with you. And uh, we did catch up in Cuba PD. Yep. A little while ago. Well, was that about a week ago or something? Yeah. Something yeah, like about that. a week ago. Yeah. And man, some of your story uh, is just so contrasted to what most people think first responder works like from a metro or regional area, because yep. you're like special remote. Yeah, we're, we're and, uh, very remote. Very remote. <laughs> you're one of the most remote stations in the country, undoubtedly. And um, yeah, you had you had some amazing stories to tell, and I'm uh, I'm really glad that you've come on to share them with us today. That's so cool. So thanks very much. Um, but winding back a little bit, tell us how you got into the uh, firefighting life. Uh, so dad's been in it his whole life, well, since the late 70s. Yeah. Right. Um, I was basically born and bred in it, 94 fires. I slept underneath the catering desk or underneath the radio desk while mum and dad were out fighting fires. Fair Um Yeah, once Where I... Where was that at? Uh, Blue Mountains. Are you serious? Yep. So, and then once I... Um, was that, a, was that a deployment from down no, this way Dad, there? Or no, Dad. No, no. We, we lived in New South Wales. I was born and bred in New South. I uh, uh-huh. started up in the Blue Mountains, a little town called Falkenbridge. God almighty. That's where I spent most of my career, up yep. in the Blue Mountains, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when the 94 fires kicked off, Mum and Dad were coming back from looking at houses in Port Macquarie and... Um, yeah, I pretty much just slept underneath a radio desk with the old blokes and underneath the catering desk, one or the other. Damn, that's a cracker. Um, Man. And then, yeah, once I turned 15, the old timers at the brigade Dad was with said, well, you ain't going to learn much out of a book. Get on the truck, just hide from the yeah. orange hat. So that we was... hid from the group officers. <laughs> <laughs> that was the way it was back then, I think. Yeah, it? and then when I turned 16, um, did my basic fire course, and yeah, that was 15 years ago. Yeah, right. So from the Blue Mountains down here, what's, um, what's brought you to this super remote part of the country so we started off well all around new south wales did 10 years with the rural fire service there uh then down to Oyun in victoria for three years better health services for rural areas for my wife's health issues yeah um and then we lost a house to a fire um and then lost dad to duty related cancer the only place we can get a rental with all her animals was keeper pedy um well, rural location anyway. Yeah, yeah. And so we went to Cooper and was planning to spend three months and never left. That was two years ago <laughs> and never right? will leave. We'll yeah. end up in the cemetery one day. Yeah, good <laughs> on you. Well, it's an amazing story of, you know, it's funny how uh, so many of these things are in family traditions and, you know, be that military, firefighting, you know, medical-related stuff, policing, all those sort of things. It's a pretty common story, isn't it? It's, yes. It's... Well, see, my grandfather was a founding captain of a brigade in the far south coast in the uh, mid-50s. Right. Okay. Um, so I'm now officially, as of Wednesday, three generations of captains. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, we just keep the family tradition going. My youngest brother, he's with the CFS down in Andamooka, Roxby Downs. 
Okay. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. That's, out, that's out there too. Um, now, your brigade, uh, I suppose, probably does stuff a little bit differently to normal. Um, and I know we had a bit of a chat about some of your uh, jobs that you've got yeah. <laughs> recently and, and, and historically from there. But just to paint a picture of how different firefighting in your neck of the woods is, give us a rundown on... Uh, well, describe your station to us. What, so, like what trucks you got, staffing? We've got um, two, three, four P's, so full, uh, 3,000 litre full drive light pumpers. Each yep. have four sets of breathing apparatus on it. We have a hazmat trailer, because we cover hazmat north, uh, basically halfway north of Roxby Downs to the NT border, and then out towards Unadatta and that. Uh, we have a logistics car and a bulk water carrier. Yeah, right. Um, we have now, after a lot of hard work over the last nine months, we've got 15 firefighters on the books, up from four. So now we've got wow. 15, and we've got three what we call brigade um, support members, which don't go out to fires, but they help out with catering, um, general tidy up around the station, and if we get a big enough job, and our plan is in the future, is to start getting them into rehabilitation for the breathing apparatus team. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, Especially yeah. in summer with our heat. Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, wow, okay. So you've just described an area that you're responsible for for the hazmat side of things. Just to put it in perspective of uh, size, because um, people might Size of France, I think it's the best way to put it. Is um, that serious? We're, we've got to be getting close. We're, we're definitely a size of a European, small European country in hazmat alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, How many k's is it from Roxby Downs up to the border? Uh, Roxby is... Or wherever you cover from. I'm not sure how many k's Roxby is. It's been a while since I've been down there. Um, basically, we say Glen Dambo, so 250 k's south of Peter, You might as well say north. Yeah. Where, that's our hazmat coverage, pretty much. God almighty. Um, and Roxby Downs will also automatically be called. Recently we had a possible hazmat job, which turned out to be a false alarm, and Roxby Downs was automatically paged just in case we needed them. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. So you described a few long runs to jobs that just blew my mind. So give us a, give us a, uh, I, I don't know, like an example of one of your, one of your long runs. So one of our longest <laughs> runs was we were paged at, I think it was 6.15 in the morning and we got back at 4.15 in the afternoon and we were 80k south of the NT border. It was 950 kilometres round trip. For a job. For a call out, for a truck rollover, for 20 minutes of hosing some stuff off the road. Oh, that's unreal. Um, our, unfortunately, in this part of the world, the areas are getting smaller and smaller. So our small brigades like Marla to the north are battling for numbers, unfortunately. Yeah. And Cooper Petey just gets sent. If they can't crew, we go. Yeah, right. Yeah, wow. Just like to take a moment to acknowledge the support we've had from our platinum sponsors, Police Bank and the Australian Federal Police Association. As you'd understand, the logistics behind getting from Central Australia to Canberra are pretty big. And without their support, this walk wouldn't be possible. So thanks for getting on board, Police Bank and the Australian Federal Police Association. There goes one of the trucks. There goes Una Dada now. Oh, that's Una Dada. They've got a job. Yeah, hopefully not. Um, yeah, right. So the work, the type of work you do in Cooperpedia and its surrounds, it'd have to be pretty different to, let's say, uh, Metro uh, Adelaide. The big, the big thing here is, is you, you've got to rely on your mates. Um, we don't have the luxury where I come from, where you know you paid your neighbouring brigade 
at best, worst case scenario, they're 20 minutes away. Yeah, right. Out here, we paid you a neighbouring brigade. You know, we're looking at two two plus hours for help coming. Back up, yeah, right. Um, just our urban side, and next closest breathing apparatus brigade is three and a half hours away. So we rely on each other and we just get in there. And I think what makes Cuba PD so unique is all the services work together. Right. Um, we had a house fire or granny flat fire in December and we rocked up with only two people in the first truck. And yeah, we had okay. the police on the end of hoses. We had police setting up supply lines for the bulk water carrier. <laughs> then we had SES come in that did traffic control and they took over pumps and bulk water duties. Right. And we just get in there and get it done. Yeah, yeah. And it's vice versa, you know, SES, Mine Rescue get in trouble or short-staffed, we get in there and we help them. Yeah, right. So, yeah, and yeah. It's got to be done that way, though. With and our workload yeah. is very unique in the such that we do a lot of, which is becoming big in other areas, but our assist ambulance is becoming bigger and bigger. Um, is it? Yeah, okay. So we do a lot of lift assists. Um, our brigade's just about to blow a little over three and a half grand on a Stokes litter. Okay. So yeah. we can start doing... Um, um, lift assists are a lot more safer and not yeah. risking injury on our own members and AMBOs. Um, and then also too, you know, we get called to cardiac arrest to help them with manpower. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Actually, I suppose I figured that's probably a little bit how it would work, but um, how does that, uh, and, I, and I mean, we met you the other day just because we rolled into town and wanted to let you know what we were doing and why we were doing it. So. On that front, how do you go looking after your people out here? Because the, the nature of the jobs that you've described, a few of them to me off, off mic, <laughs> um, you know, and they're, they're typical jobs, generally speaking, that you, you might expect people to go to, but they're still bloody hard. Um, mm -hmm. And some of them are pretty, pretty unique in, in the sense of what you've had to do. How do you go looking after your people um, in such an isolated area, and I, like with that, I suppose, remoteness and that, that, that aspect of how you're doing things. We, um, we look after each other as a team. Um, so, you know, recently we had a pretty, we had a double fatality and we end up having a big barbecue down the station and right. just check on each other. And we all just rally around each other. Yeah. Um, the service provides our, um, our spam teams and they do fly up. You know, it takes two days, but they What's do. Spam? Uh, I can't tell you their actual acronyms, but they deal with... It's not a, well, it's not, it's not a tin of meat, though. <laughs> no, they um, they do all our critical incidents. Okay. So Are the recent psych, job... Psych support sort of thing? Or? Yeah, they're, they're volunteers that come up and, and help members and right. someone to talk to. Okay. Um, we also have a really good priest in town, Father Paul Crotty, and he will rally around and go knock on members' doors. You know, he can either bash the Bible or he can just be your mate. Yeah, right. So we... we we look after each other. Um, recently, we had five of us do mental health first aid. Okay. So that's brought something new in. I'm doing a program, uh, I've forgotten the name of it anyway, online at the moment through Flinders University, Perry's program. And I'm doing the supervisor one, which is teaching um, leaders basically on how to deal with mental health, identifying it, and the different forms of mental health and how you can help someone. Yeah, right. Yeah. And how to look after yourself, of course, in the long run. Because yeah, as leadership here, you are, you know, I find it, if someone's struggling, you're going to get the phone call to yeah. go check on them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's a big burden you carry. Like, yeah. Yeah, as a captain. It's, um, yeah, it's a, weight, it's a weight, I think. Yep. And, uh, yeah, good on you for doing what you do. The, um, yeah, I, I'm just trying to get my head around some of the, 
the uh, the types of jobs that you would do that are a bit different to the uh, to the metro area. So if you if you're in a meal room down in uh, in Adelaide with a bunch of other fireys and you had to tell them a story about something you've done recently, what would it be? I think we had we had one not that long ago that was a stand at grass fire with only two of us last year and it ended up being an assault and a yelling and abusing because someone tried to set someone on fire. <laughs> is that right? Um, it, it's just, the, the Cooper PD is very different. When the pager goes off, you don't know what you're going to. Really, you get the bare basics, but it can work out to anything. Yeah. And you just got to rally around your mates and just get in there and get it done. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Tyrian distance is probably the, the biggest thing. If I had to tell a Mets brigade is the fact, you know, a response of 135 k's and still being in your own brigade area is normal. <laughs> yeah, that's mad, isn't it? So, yeah, you run out of fuel in your own area. <laughs> um, so, you know, we cover two airports and our second airport's two hours away and we're the first brigade down Seriously? at William Creek. So, yeah, okay, William Creek, yeah, right. So we do cover quite an enormous area. That's um, amazing, yeah. And it's just getting, as, as other neighbours struggle, we're just getting bigger. Yeah, right. Thankfully, they're only quiet brigades, so we don't get many jobs yeah. up there. But yeah. generally, we average between 90 to 100 call-outs a year. That's pretty busy. Yeah, and that ranges from everything from just your standard rubbish fires, car fires, house, motor vehicle accidents. Was our biggest when I first joined here, and now we're starting to get into the assist ambulance services becoming our our big, big core yeah. role at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, just recently, we had four jobs in one day, which was one of our busiest wow. days this year. <laughs> That's crazy for a, for a uh, yeah for a volunteer brigade. That's crazy, isn't it? Yep. So yeah, because you there are no paid staff in your unit. The only there, paid emergency service in Cooper PD is the ambulance service and police. Is it? Yeah, right. And that's that's it. And again, we just rally around each other and help each other out when we need to. Yeah, right. Wow. And uh, you know, there there's only is there only two police there? How many police? There? I'm not sure how many police are at the moment. Yeah. I think there's about four or five. Oh, is there? Yeah. yeah, right, okay. And the ambulance service has about three staff and they bring the rest in. Right. Are they, are they augmented by volunteers as well? No, they're, they're paid yeah. only ambulance paid, station. Are they? Yeah, yeah, right. Which okay. is why our workload gets so big sometimes because if they're on a 10-hour, which means they've had a big night, yeah. the, the two-man crew, there'd be one person. So yeah, we then so have to be sent to um, drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, last year alone we did 39 call-outs were just assist ambulance. Wow, so, that's unreal. Yeah. That's a big strain on your brigade though, given you're a fire brigade. Yeah, it is actually. we just uh, get in there and yeah, do what yeah. we need to do, that's what we do for fun. our community. Yeah, good on you, mate. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think, like uh, mental health impact on your brigade has, um, you know, and you can you don't have to tell tell me what you told me earlier about what's happened there recently, but it's obviously uh, a, pretty, a thing pretty close to home there. I think it is for all of us. Me, myself, I've, I started on the Pacific Highway, so I've had my breakdowns and then found my coping mechanisms, as you do as a young person. You have to in the end. Yeah. Um, I think the services, emergency services full stop, the leadership side needs to start putting more training into mental health because us as officers are essentially the boots on the ground. Yeah. Um, the mental health first aid course was excellent. It gave me a whole new perspective on dealing with mental health. The Perry's program I'm doing now is another step again. Yeah, right. And it, I think the Perry's program we're doing needs to be rolled out um, as part of a crew leader training ship. Yep, across uh, the board. Across the board, I yeah. think. Because again, we are the first people 
before our whatever service you're with, before your special spam team or yeah. um, whatever the teams are called can get there, it's it's the officers on the ground yeah. that are going to pick it up. You're it, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah man, that's a lot to shoulder. Um, yeah. And I, like, I, yeah, even just talking to your your staff the other day, I mean, you can tell how um, they, they are actually dogs howling in the background. It's the Unidata Choir. <laughs> and I just sort of heard one moving behind me. There were a couple of wild dogs just, just there when we were walking back into town the other day. Are they red? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they didn't look too happy when they saw us. They come out of the bushes just over there. I don't know where they'd come Probably from. Probably dingoes. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I look at. We're on the wrong side of the fence here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just to put it in perspective, we're literally sitting in a uh, an unlit uh, little playground opposite the uh, the pub. <laughs> yeah, the uh, <laughs> and it's very dark behind me. I can't see what's coming. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys had a dog have a go at him in town here yesterday. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that's why. I'm that's right. There's an Ambo here somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so we'll find someone. Back me up. Yeah. Well, look. Thanks very much for telling me your story. And um, hey, I'll. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to think, is there, do you guys have a Facebook presence or something like that or do you? Our Facebook page got shut down. Oh, did it? <laughs> For some stupid non-reason. We are about to start a new one again. Okay. So hopefully within the next three, four weeks when I learn how to use technology again, I'll create a new <laughs> Facebook page. <laughs> I love that stuff. Part of my role as becoming a captain, I was acting captain since October, is learning how to use a computer because being raised by a baby boomer, well, you didn't do much with technology. Yeah, yet. righto. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, that's very often the case. There goes the guys. Yeah, look, hey, thanks for telling us the story. And um, yeah, look, you're doing an amazing job there. And I can, we, it's really obvious to me, uh, you know, having been to plenty of other fire stations, how well run that place is now. Thank you. Uh, and getting back up and getting uh, back up yeah. and running. Yeah, it's just a matter of getting our capabilities back up now, which we should have yeah. by the end of the year, hopefully. Yeah, you had a very content crew there. It was, uh, yeah, it was good. And, um, yeah, just feed them properly. Get the pigs, put, as long as you've got a spit roast every month, everyone's happy. Feed them. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key. Yeah, good on you, Matt. All right, thanks very much. Thanks, mate. All right. You've been listening to the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast people on their own journey for the awareness of mental health in our first responders. Thanks for listening and please remember to support our foundation by going to the webpage at www.hearttoheartwalk.org. That's www.heart2heartwalk.org or just Google it.